All right, you guys, welcome to another episode of Return. We are rolling into another episode of Theology Thursdays, and I'm excited to get to today's content. So let's jump right in. Song of Solomon 1 verses 5 through 6 and I just want to start off by saying that this is one of my favorite passages slash truths in the Song of Solomon and it's one that I have been just going to time and time and time again uh, currently and in obviously past seasons of my life too but currently I'm really coming back to this verse over and over again and Uh, You'll see why in just a minute, but I want to go ahead and just start off by reading the verse and then we'll jump into more of the content. So Song of Solomon 1 verse 5, the Shulamite is saying, I am dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar and like the curtains of Solomon. Do not look upon me because I am dark. And so, um... I want to focus primarily on just that opening statement in this podcast. There's so much to be said about um, the latter part of the verse, and maybe that's something that we'll get into in another episode. But I want to focus on this revelation that this the Shulamite has here, where she's saying, I'm dark, but at the same time, I am lovely. Because... What she is declaring here is what we like to call the paradox of grace, that as she is discovering the brokenness and and the darkness and, and the sinfulness of her heart, at the very same time, because of grace, she realizes that she is lovely to God and that he sees her as lovely. And I want to just say that this is massively important to our spiritual lives because I do not believe that we can advance or mature in our walk with God without this revelation that even as we see our brokenness and our weakness and and we realize how often we come up short and we miss the mark, we have to have the revelation that though we miss it, we are lovely to God still, that he sees us as beautiful. And if we know this, if we truly know this and apply it to our lives, then this will give us confidence to come back to him over and over and over again when we mess up. And um, like I was saying to you guys, this is something that I am reminding myself right now of on a near daily basis because it is so easy for the enemy to want to come in and sow seeds of doubt into our minds that we're not doing enough, that we didn't spend enough time in the word or in prayer, or maybe it's because we're not feeling anything, we're not feeling the presence of God that it's because he's disappointed with us or we must have done something, you know, to tick him off and and therefore he's giving us the cold shoulder or something. But those are lies and it takes reminding ourselves of this truth and 
And even speaking this verse out loud, the truth of this verse out loud and, and declaring it to actually resist the lies of the enemy, because it is so easy for me to, you know, tell you right now, oh yeah, those are just lies that the enemy is speaking about. But how many of you know, because I know that when you're in the thick of the moment, when you're in the heat of the moment and you really are feeling that condemnation or you're feeling that guilt, that it is so easy to want to just succumb to the lies of the enemy and, and believe it. But the thing is, is when that is happening, it is reminding yourself. It's even asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring this verse, bring the truth of this passage to my mind in those moments, because as we declare the truth, we will see the lie for what it is. And, and we will begin just even that fight to say, no, in my darkness, even in my weakness and in my sinfulness, I am lovely to God. And so as we just talk about this a little bit more, I want to just start by saying our love for God, it is sincere, even though it is weak. And though our love is weak, we really do. We sincerely desire to obey him. And uh, if we sincerely desire to obey him, then we cannot live with this fear that when we come up short, then all of a sudden we're going to be disqualified from our calling or, or disqualified from partnering with God in ministry. Our love, again, it is, it is weak. It is broken. We are aware of, you know, our own lack uh, and how much we come short. Uh, but when we come short, we need to have the confidence of how God sees us, who we are to him. And when we do, then all of a sudden it will cut off those fears of thinking that there's something that we could do that would disqualify us from, from what God has prepared for us and given to us. And I want to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but I want to say also that we all walk in different measures of light, but we're called to walk in all of the light that God has given us. And what do I mean by that? Well, all of us walk in different measures of understanding or of, of revelation of what God has done for us. You know, we all have hold to the basic truths, or at least I would hope we do. We hold to the basic truths and belie beliefs of scripture, you know, Jesus died for us. He, he atoned for our sin. You know, he was raised from the dead and he's given us the Holy Spirit. And, you know, these are all things that we understand and walk in. And so as we understand those truths, it causes the light of it to, to impact our hearts that we would actually walk in that understanding and live it out in practical ways. And the thing is, is we're called to walk in all of the light that God has given us. But here's the thing that as we walk in the light, God will give us more light. And as he gives us more light, we see the darkness that's hidden inside of our hearts. And sometimes that darkness isn't even hidden. Sometimes it's just like it's there. You know, you just pull out the flashlight and all of a sudden you can see all the things that you couldn't see a second ago, you know? And so the light just shines on all of those dark places in our hearts. 
But the thing is, is the more we walk in light, the more we walk in our understanding, the more we walk even in this revelation and understanding that though we are dark and sinful, that we're lovely to God, the more that we will, st- the more we'll start to see that darkness in our hearts. And I'm saying that to say, rather than that being like a scary thing or a discouraging thing, it can actually be something that that gives us confidence to say, okay, a son gets pruned, a son gets disciplined. These are areas in our hearts that the Lord wants to work on, the Lord wants to talk to us about, the Lord wants to shine his light on and expose them so that we can get rid of it. And and as that happens, we don't need to be shocked. We don't need to be surprised by what's there. I think it's good that we walk in, you know, godly sorrow um, if if we need to, you know, in, in different situations. And, and maybe we'll talk about that more in a second. It's good to walk in conviction. It's good to walk in repentance. Those are all things that are necessary to getting to the truth of believing uh, that God loves us and, and that he sees us as beautiful. But we want to walk in the fullness of light that the Lord has given to us and 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 get rid of the dark places in our hearts as they are exposed. But I want to say this, that Jeremiah talks about how deeply dark and wicked the human heart is. And we all have a greater capacity for sin than what we comprehend. That's why Paul actually calls it the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness in in uh, Thessalonians, because we don't fully understand the depths of sin that the human heart is capable of. Uh, it's a mystery. You know, sometimes it's like, I think there's this general sentiment um, in culture and in society that everyone is a good person. And here's the thing. This is what the gospel tells us, that there is no one righteous, no, not one. And that is why Jesus needed to come, is that all of us are desperately wicked. All of us, apart from Christ, are just without hope and and. And the heart, uh, this is the verse that Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can even know it? And, and Paul says in Ephesians 4, 22, he tells us that our old man, you know, the unredeemed us without Christ, that over time, that old man actually grows more and more corrupt And that's why he tells us to put off the old man, which grows more corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And my point is this, that apart from God um, and, and even apart from just the restraints that are put in place in our lives. And, you know, I don't want to get too far deep into this, but it's like God has put restraints in place that would restrain our sin. And we see, you know, back in the days of Noah, that sin was actually able to reach a climax. And that's why God sent a flood to cleanse the earth because sin reached the fullness of its capacity at that time. 
And the thing is, is we know that before the Lord returns, the same thing is going to happen again. Matthew 24, 12 says lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold, which means that just what is truly inside the human heart without restraint is going to be manifested in a global way. And, and, you know, that'll be demonstrated in, I think, perfect form in the Antichrist. And yet all, you know, we will see in places all over the earth, just humans acting without restraints, humans doing according to whatever whim and desire and fancy that they have. And, and without God, our heart or, or our old man grows more and more and more corrupt. And so that's the thing is our darkness and our sinfulness. It is actually a mystery to us. And I mean, we feel it like how often have I felt, and I'm sure you can relate to this, that without the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, even for a week and, and honestly, even for a day, it's like you go a day without talking to the Holy Spirit or, or whatever, getting some, some fresh life and fresh bread in your heart. And it's like, you can go one day and you are snapping at everyone. You're more, okay, I'll just talk about myself because that's the authority that I have to talk about. It's like, I get more grumpy sometimes. I'm, I feel like more down emotionally or whatever. It's like, you just, it's so incredible how your spirit, how your body, how your heart responds to things that are happening to situations that are happening with uh, as you you know don't engage with the lord and and um all of that to say is our heart is wicked that is why jesus needed to come and save us and it's funny because uh paul you know we know this famous verse of paul in first timothy 1 15 where he says, you know, he, he claims that he's this chief of sinners. And, you know, I've thought lots of times when reading that verse, like there is no way that Paul is the chief of sinners. Like he was just exaggerating that statement and being, you know, a little falsely humble because we all know Paul was the one who loved Jesus with everything he had. He had all of this revelation of God. He wrote, you know, the majority of the New Testament the trials and the suffering that Paul endured, like there is no way that Paul was the chief of sinners. He's like the best of uh, the best of us, you know? But it goes back to that principle that we talked about a second ago, that the more light that we have, the more light that we walk in, the more we see the darkness in our heart. And Paul was not exaggerating this statement by any means. He saw <laughs> that he was a chief of sinner, that, that, Jesus needed to come and save, be like that brand that is plucked from the fire and redeemed. And so all of that to say the fact that our, our hearts are dark, our hearts are sinful, that we're, you know, the chief of sinners. I want to just say this knowledge of our weak flesh is an important aspect of the truth about who we are, but it is not the whole truth of who we are. God knows about the depth of sin in our heart before he came and saved us. You know, he didn't uh, discover our sin just because we do. He was 
fully aware of what he was getting into when he went to the cross. And, and I even just feel like some, some of you listening to this, you need to hear this, that God did not overcommit himself to love you when, you know, without understanding the full gravity of what you've done and, and, and your sin. He knew exactly what he was getting into when he chose you, when he chose the cross, when he chose to come as a man. And even though we are sometimes often surprised by our sin and, and when we discover our sinfulness, he is not surprised by it. And, um, and it is in those moments as we discover our brokenness, as we discover our sin, that we want to run to God and not away from him. And the way that we do that is to consistently grow in the confidence that we are lovely to him. Even in the process of discovering the darkness of our heart, we have to know that God's motivation to loves us, to love us comes from within his heart and not from any promise that we can make to never fail him again or 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 to never mess up again. We can try as much as we want to, to motivate God to love us, but that will never ever uh, change his mind or affect the way that he sees us. And I know again, that you can probably relate to this because there's been so many times in my day or, or in times of worship where you're just thinking these thoughts like, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, please forgive me. Please don't reject me. I swear I'll never do that again. You know, I swear I'll do better. And the thing is, is we cannot negotiate our relationship with the Lord based on something that we think we have to offer him. We have nothing to offer him. And, and you guys, this is the scandal in all of this is that we do not deserve his love and there's nothing that we could do to deserve his love but it is a free gift from him and it is something that he really 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 wants to give to you and it's something that he really wants you to receive the free gift of his love the free gift of his righteousness the free gift of of who you are made beautiful to him in Christ and it, it takes humility actually it really takes humility to receive this because it means that again there is nothing that I can offer him there is nothing that I can say or do that will change his mind I simply in the moment of my sin in the moment of my brokenness I simply need to open my hands, open my heart or whatever, and just say, I receive the fact that you love me right now. You love me in this moment. You love me in my shame. You love me in, in the midst of the, of, of the guilt I'm feeling right now. You love me. And in that moment, it's about receiving the fact that his love is stronger than our feelings of shame. His love is stronger than, than uh, the guilt that is a- after us. 
his love is what conquered our sin at the cross. And again, we can only receive it. And so the thing is, is that we will understand more clearly. We will understand even throughout time as we confess the fact that I am dark, but I am lovely to God. I know that I sin, but I know that your heart is ravished over me. The more that we confess that, the more that we will understand that he imparts his beauty to us through the grace of God throughout time. And this, if, if we can get this into our language, if we can get this into our conversation with him and into our mind, then we will run to him instead of away from him when we stumble. And so really quickly, I want to give us four reasons why we are beautiful to God, even in our weakness. Okay, reason number one, we have received the gift of righteousness. Again, this is touching on what I just spoke about, that our loveliness comes by receiving the gift of righteousness, which is the same righteousness that Jesus has. When the Father sees us, he looks at us in the same way as if he was looking at his son. Let that just sink in to you for a minute. Sinful people are made lovely to God because of what Jesus did, not because of what we do. And there's that verse in 2 Corinthians 5. It's incredible. It says, therefore, if anyone, if anyone, there." There is room for absolutely every person on the planet in that verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things are of God. It was him who was reconciling us through Jesus. I'm going to skip to verse 21. For God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, get this, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. He has gifted us with his righteousness. And so when God sees you, he sees a clean, a pure, a chaste virgin. That is how we are presented before him. Oh, you guys... That, that one deserves more time, but we're going to skip to the next one. But for real, go back and think about that and, and find Bible verses that talk about that because that will radically change the way you see yourself when relating to God. It has for me. Okay, second point that uh, why we are beautiful to God even our, in our weakness is that we have a willing spirit. At the new birth, when we were born again, the Holy Spirit put a yes inside of us that even though we, uh, even when we agree to change our behavior, that is enough for the Holy Spirit to work with inside of us, even before our behavior changed. So we agree to change our behavior before the change even happens. And that yes in our spirit is beautiful to God. He says that yes is enough for me to work with. Every movement of our heart towards God is a work of the Holy Spirit inside of us called a willing spirit. David actually prayed uh, this prayer to be sustained by a willing spirit in Psalm 51, 12. He says, restore to me the joy of salvation and sustain me 
with a willing spirit. Sustain me, Lord, with a yes in my heart because you can work with a yes. Uh, Point number three, the nature of God's personality. And and I love this one too, that our beauty to God is related based on how he sees us. Because he is a God of love, because he is a God of mercy, because he is a God of compassion and grace, he sees out of those lenses. You know, there's that phrase that says, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Well, it's because of the heart of our beautiful God that we are beautiful to him. And and I hope this makes sense because if God was mostly angry with us, he wouldn't just think that, you know, because we have a willing spirit, we're beautiful. It's like, you know, how many times do we not relate like that to other people? It's like, okay, well, you know, you wanted to clean your room. You didn't do it, but you wanted to. And, and well, that's enough for me. No, like no one like thinks that way. But the Lord sees the yes in our heart and he calls that beautiful and he sees us as beautiful because of who he is. From his point of view, you know, from where he is sitting, which is far above our thoughts, far above our ways, he sees from a different viewpoint. And and I love that he says that in, in 1 Samuel 16, 7. This verse is so profound and so powerful when it impacts us. It says that the Lord does not see as man sees because man will look on the outward appearance, but the Lord will look at the heart. And the Lord sees into our hearts and he sees the sincerity there. He sees the reach to obey him. He sees even the want to want him. He he sees the weakness of all of that and he calls it beautiful. And it originates with him. It starts there again. It's it's not that we're twisting God's mind or or his 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 heart to think something about us. It's him. It all starts with him. He sees us as beautiful, and 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 that's a, a desire, and that's an outflow of what's in his heart toward us. And the fourth one, again, I love this one. I love all of these reasons. Is The fourth reason why we are beautiful to God in our weakness is because our eternal destiny is as Jesus's bride. God sees us through the lens of who we are and who we will be a billion years from now in the grace of God. And that is why he is so patient with us in the present is because he sees that we are in this short window of time called 70 years or 80, you know, if we have the strength. We are in this window of time compared to eternity, compared to the billions of years that we will get to spend with him as an equally yoked bride to his son. And he sees who we are going to be in the grace of God all of those billions of years. And therefore he does not evaluate us today on our weakness. He does not evaluate us today by uh, our failures. He sees through the eyes of eternity. He sees us with patience and he sees us the fact that we are a bridegroom. And I want to just say, you guys, 
there's this verse in the end of Revelation 19, 7. I, I shared with you um, the podcast. I've been talking about it uh, a lot recently because it's been hitting me of how in that verse it says that there is a bride that is prepared and ready for her son or ready for God's son. But the crazy thing in all of that is that the there's this cry saying hallelujah like it's it's right that the bride is ready for her son but the thing is is you guys that should be the greatest injustice in all of the earth the fact that we as limited and weak and broken humans even uh even are within the scope of being considered as an equally yoked bride and partner you know, there's that joke, you know, of like how sometimes you see people in a relationship and you're like, oh gosh, how, how the heck did they manage to get together? You know, that, that guy really married up, you know, and you, those are the thoughts you kind of have secretly that you won't say out loud or I don't know, sometimes, sometimes they just slip out. I don't know. But I know that we've all had those thoughts before. And, and that's the thing is, it's like, how in the world are we even being considered as an equally yoked partner for Christ? And again, it comes down to, it's him. It's him that has qualified us. It's him that, is, that has even uh, made it possible for us to be a bride, for us to be equally yoked with him in love. But the thing is, is that's how he views us. He views us through the work of his grace in our lives and, and who we will be years and years from now. And as our bridegroom, he beautifies us in his love. And what do I mean by that? I want to give you guys just a short kind of funny or lame, I don't know, example of that. It's, it's not lame. It's true. But before, um, before Benji and I got married, uh, I, you know, like a lot of people had my fair share of insecurities and a lot of it had to do with, uh, you know, my, my weight and, and my physical appearance. And, you know, all throughout my teenage years, I, you know, had a hard time losing weight. I dealt with um, a lot of thyroid issues. And so that was just stuff that I was dealing with, you know, as, Benji and I were dating and as we got engaged. And so I didn't like the fact that I weighed more than Benji. Like just the thought of it bothered me hardcore. But I will say this, that since getting married, I noticed it, it, it was over time that just I started growing more in, conf in greater confidence in who I was in my appearance, in my body, and I know it had to do with the fact that I started, not not just that I was hearing it, but I started believing the fact that Benji loved me because he would tell me every day, time and time again, I love you, I, I love you for who you are, I love your, you know, whatever, I'm not going to get into the details of all that, but he would just tell me how much he loved me, and over time, I would start believing it. My mind would change. I even got less conscious of myself to, to say that like I wasn't even thinking all the time, you know, about how I looked or or how I felt in my clothes and all that stuff. And yet I felt a lot more happy 
And I think the inward confidence that I was walking in was reflecting in my appearance because I would have people just come up and tell me, you know, it's like, well, you're, you have the glow, you have, you have the maternity glow or you have the, you know, honeymoon glow. I don't know. All of that to say is I, this thing I do know is that I am walking in a lot more confidence because I know how much Benji loves me and how much more if I know that my heavenly bridegroom, my true bridegroom, Jesus, how, if I know that he loves me, how much will that transform me from the inside and, 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 and end up being, you know, this confidence end up being this, this, uh, yeah, just beauty that comes out of us when we walk in confidence in who we are to him. That is why we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so that's why I want you to get this language, this verse into, into your conversation with the Lord, into your thought life, into your prayer life, that in the moment of weakness, in the moment of failure, in the heat of the moment when you know, the lies of the enemy are bombarding us to get this verse into your lips and to say, I, though I am dark, though I mess up a lot, though I'm sinful and I am broken, I am lovely. You see me as beautiful. You see the reach in my heart and it moves you and it counts. And even though it's a weak effort, you supply the grace, you supply the rest, you love my yes, and you can work with my yes. And if that is the posture that we come to the Lord with time and time again, as, as we just uh, discover our sin, as we discover the darkness of our heart, that will be the thing that over time will transform us and will change us. And so that is my prayer for you to get this into your language, to get this into your mind, even to ask Holy Spirit to bring up this verse day to day because we need reminding of it every day. So you guys, I hope that this podcast blessed you and encouraged you and I will plan on seeing you guys in the next episode. <laughs>